Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we have another psalm from King David, Psalm 65. To the choir master, a psalm of David, a song. Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near, to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. The one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty, your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow, the hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks, the valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. This is the word of the Lord. Right off the bat again with this psalm, family conversation, praise is due to you, O God. Why? Why is praise due to him? To praise someone is to to speak very highly of them, or in the case of as we usually think of it with God, it is to sing his praises. To sing of who he is and what he has done for us. So that helps us get at the why. What has he done for us? It's going to be directly related to the other question that I was going to suggest families talk about today, which is verse 5. By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness. What awesome deeds has God done for us? What awesome deeds is God still going to do for us? So we can talk about his gift of creation, that he made all of this, that he made even me, that he made you. Very, very specific there, right? The gift of life that God has given to you, to everyone in your family. Thanks be to God. And we can talk about as this psalm will, God's ongoing provision that he reigns upon the earth. He gives fruit in abundance. We can talk about the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus the awesome deeds that are his cross and his empty tomb, that he died to forgive our sins, and he rose again to take away death forever. Still will, 
future promise. Judgment Day. That we will come before Him and be welcomed into His presence. Sinners coming before God and living. That's not the norm, but it's what Jesus has done by taking away our sins on Good Friday. And paradise. Jesus is preparing paradise for us. And if he goes and prepares a place for us, he will then come again to take us that we may be with him where he is. That's John 14, how it begins. Which causes Thomas the confusion. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that gave the church its first name. We weren't originally called Christians, but we were called the way. Because Jesus is the way. That is our faith. All right, so the family conversations go off in those those directions today to remember what God has done for us. Verse 1 again, though. We perform our vows to God. If you make a vow, yes. This is Old Testament. This is before Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 will tell us not to take any oaths at all, but let your yes be yes, your no be no. So today we should avoid vow taking if, if possible. And I think it is possible to do so. Give your word, let your word be your word. O you who hear prayer, God, to you shall all flesh come. Both and to this. At the moment, there are many who come to the Lord in daily prayer and thanksgiving and praise. But this also looks forward to the judgment day, where all flesh will be gathered before the judgment throne of God. It will be a very good day for some, a very bad day for some. When iniquity prevails against me, you atone for our transgressions. David speaks so wonderfully of forgiveness here and didn't even know yet the cross of Christ. He looked forward to it, even if he didn't understand what would come. But notice it, when iniquities prevail against me, this is sin. Iniquity is another word for sin, so his sins have prevailed against him. He's given into temptation, and yet God atones. I like to make atone simply to understand by just dividing it into its two syllables, at one. To atone is to make it at one again. Our sin separated us from God, but his atonement, which we know comes in Christ, restores us to him, makes us at one with him again, one body in Christ. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. Again, forward thinking here, paradise. David can say this as being king, that he was chosen to be king and to dwell in the Lord's house forever. But this is each of us. John 15, verse 16, Jesus said to the disciples, You did not choose me, but I chose you. This is our faith. I believe that by my own reason or strength, I cannot know Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But that the Holy Spirit has enlightened me by the gospel, 
He chooses us. We are his. And we get to live with him forever, dwelling in his courts. The new heaven, the new earth, paradise. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. David gets to say this, even though the temple's not yet built in his day, his son will build the temple to God. But acknowledging that the people of the Lord will be cared for, provided for by God's presence in their midst. It is where God promised he would forgive sins, where he promised he would speak his word to his people. How much more true is this also then for us? Who look to Jesus Christ as the temple of God. And we will be satisfied by him. And we are forgiven, redeemed, restored, raised, given life eternal. By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness. David praises God for the various ways the Lord has cared for his people. And while I've indicated that the family should be talking about the cross, the empty tomb, those kinds of things, as well as creation, David here probably has more in mind the Exodus account, the entrance into the promised land where God drove out the enemy nations, God conquering the faithless Goliath by a little boy, those kinds of moments. O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. So no matter where you go, there is no other hope. Again, Jesus, John 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God is our hope, and without him there is no hope. Apart from him there is no hope. The one who by his strength established the mountains... Genesis 1 creation reference is simply by speaking God created them. Such a fascinating thing. Who stills the roaring of the seas. And while we can talk Old Testament about that, God created the sea. There's a section in Job as the Lord responds to Job about how the Lord is the one who sets the boundaries of the sea and tells it that it cannot go any further. But I would hope that as a family together, you can pick up on the idea of this being Jesus in the New Testament calming the storm. Because follow that up in verse 8. That those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. That the whole earth would see and know what the Lord has done. In what part of the world, in what nation under heaven, is the story of Jesus calming the storm not known? There isn't one. Colossians chapter 1, already in the first century, Paul tells us that the gospel has been proclaimed to the ends of the earth. It's already accomplished. It doesn't mean we don't keep going. It doesn't mean we don't keep loving our neighbor. But... The gospel has been shared throughout the world. The good news of Jesus Christ and his awesome deeds have been made known. Thanks be to God. Verse 8 wraps up. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. Continued gifts. God gives us another day. 
and we shout for joy. We, we thank him for it. We rejoice that he has given us another day to enjoy his creation and to serve each other. The rest of this psalm is about God's provision for his people. You visit the earth. That visit word can be positive, it can be negative. In this case, it's a positive use of the word. You visit the earth and water it. Think of it like an inspection. The Lord comes, he sees, he sees the need, and he provides. Other times where he visits, he sees the sin, and he brings judgment. But here, he provides. And so he greatly enriches it. The river of God is full of water. I mean, that makes sense, right? But it's the opposite of the idea of drought. That a, a river that would once provide for a people could be so so famished itself that it doesn't water the banks, doesn't bring irrigation to the fields around it. Not so with God's river. God's provision is abundant. God's provision is full. I remember the end of Revelation, in Revelation 21 and 22, specifically the start of 22, as you're talking about the, the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, which is the church, there is a river that flows from the throne of God that nourishes us forever. God provides forever. You have prepared it. You provide their grain. God gives the earth what it needs. You water its furrows abundantly. A furrow is a reference to a plowed trench or a plowed field. God gives water. God gives the growth. Softening the ground with showers. God gives rain on the good and the evil alike in this world. Those who trust in him and those who don't. He gives growth. He feeds. He feeds them because he cares. He created them. They are his. He loves them. He does not want them to be destroyed. 1 Timothy 2.4 God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So he provides for them. You crown the year with your bounty. Interesting phrase. The crown of the year. It's the harvest, God's provision. The people celebrate that the Lord has given them food to care for them for another year. And the second part of that verse is a fun picture. We've just talked about how the ground would be softened from the shower. So think of a, a soft ground, a muddy field, and you take a wagon into it. Those wheels are going to bring ruts, right? They're going to they're pound their way through the ground and leave these tracks behind. And those tracks are going to overflow with abundance. Even the ruts of God produce. Wherever God goes, there is production. There is a harvest. Everywhere God goes, the people are provided for. Again, fun picture. It's not necessarily even the, the plowed field. It's, it's his wagon tracks. It's like if the, the road in your town just started growing grain because God blessed you abundantly. It's, again, a fun picture. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck and themselves with grain. Notice not us. Pride of man says, I do these things. 
I planted the crop. I made it grow. I harvested it. I provided for my family. No, God provides. God cares for his creation, and we receive his gifts. Now, he does use us. He works through us in order to bless others. Yes, that is true. But this is a good reminder to keep our pride in check and to thank God, to join his creation, shouting and singing together in joy for all the awesome deeds that the Lord has done. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise we Christ, Lord.